So we're going to continue our series on the book of John. I know some of you are wondering, you know, Pastor, Pastor Peng, um, th- there, was, there was this miscommunication about who was going to preach this Sunday. And because of that miscommunication, uh, I'm just going to continue our series on the book of John. Um, and we'll hear more from Pastor Peng at today's luncheon, uh, today's lunch about the vision of our church. But as we continue on, on this, this series on the book of John, I hope... And I've been praying that our church, again, would just continue to build upon our foundation of what the gospel is. Uh, the series is, the, is on the book of John and the gospel of John. And so far, we've had these conversations with these various people and, and the way in which Jesus is trying to explain what life is and what the whole idea, the whole meaning of existence is. And I'm, I'm sure as we've gone through all these things, I'm sure there's a lot of things that have challenged you and questioned you. And I want to continue with that. And, and more than just telling you a funny story, I, I want to just go straight into the text. And it starts on John chapter 5. And, and I want us to read this carefully and closely. I want us to go into the, word of Lo- into the Word of God, not trying to figure out for ourselves what it means, but really asking the Holy Spirit, asking God himself to impress his word on our hearts. So I'm going to read for us, starting from John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, After this, there was a, gro- uh, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. And it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. Jesus kind of scurried off. As there was a crowd in the place, after Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, You are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. And again, the reason why I didn't want to start off this with a story or a little anecdote trying to explain to you all these things is because the text in and of itself is this amazing story that I hope grips you and grasps you. <clears throat> you see, Jesus is notorious for breaking one of the religious laws, one of the sins. And again, we know Jesus is without sin, but the people during this time would not have been saying that Jesus was without sin. 
The people during this time, especially the people who were a part of the religious institution, were a part of going to the temple week in and week out. The people who were in charge, they were so focused on following the laws that even when God himself, when Jesus comes onto the stage, they accuse him of sin. And the sin that it's been, that it leads them to want to persecute Jesus and end his ministry is a sin that I'm sure many of us have heard about. And it's the observance, observance of Sabbath, of this day of rest, this day where we're supposed to rest and, and not do any work, that Jesus is notorious for going around on the Sabbath and doing the worst thing. He's healing people. Doing something that he shouldn't be doing, right? He shouldn't be doing this because it's work. And it's in this story that he tells this man, as he's gathered with all these other sick, these other blind people, these other broken people at this place called the Pool of Bethesda, that Jesus tells this man to pick up his mat and walk. The man is healed. <coughs> and it's in this miracle it's in this joyous thing that this man was healed of, of, of his illness, of his disability, that, that the people around, that the people around him should have been jumping with joy, saying, you who were once broken, you who were once unable to do what you need to do, now look at you, you can walk, you can see, you can, you can do all the things that you need to do, praise God. But no, the people in the temple, the people, the Pharisees, they look at this man and they're like, you're sinning. Go back to where you came from. Go back and, and, and put your bed back together and make sure that you come on a day that's not the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is a day where you're supposed to rest. And again, they're trying to even say, who is the one that told you that this was even okay? And the man's like, I don't, I don't know who that was. I don't know, I don't know what, like, where he's going because Jesus had withdrawn himself from that crowd. And, and so the man goes to the temple, and in the temple, I'm sure he's praising God. He's praying to himself. He's praying, and he's kind of just being contemplative because he's dealing with this conflict within himself. And the conflict within himself is this. He's like, Jesus, this guy who healed me, told to take up my mat and walk down to the pool so I can be washed. But the people of the temple, they're telling me that I shouldn't be doing this. I'm sure he's at the temple kind of having this, this crisis. Who do I listen to? Do I listen to this man named Jesus or do I listen to the Pharisees who work in the temple? And so where do, where do you go to deal with these kind of crises? You go to the temple. You go to the place where God resides. So I'm sure he's going there. And this is where Jesus kind of pops up. And he shows it. He taps the man on the shoulder. He goes, look, you're healed. And, 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 and I, want, I want us to understand something. Jesus says something that I, I don't want us to misinterpret. Jesus tells the man... And verse 14 says, see, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And I want us to focus on this verse for just, just a moment because I think this has trapped a lot of people into thinking what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus is saying, see, look, you're, you're healed. Go and sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. It's this idea that it's his sin that caused him to be broken, to be sick. And I want us to turn real quick, if you have your Bibles, to John chapter 9, verse 1. <clears throat> and it says, As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man 
It was not that this man sinned, nor his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. All right, so Jesus is not trying to say to this man at the pool of Bethesda, he's not trying to say to him, your sin is what caused you to be an invalid. Your sin is what caused you to be disabled. That is not what Jesus is saying because even in the same book, just a few chapters down, Jesus explains that it's not the parent's sin and it's not the man's sin that caused him all these disabilities. So what is Jesus trying to say to this man when he says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you? And this is where I start to get excited because when the Bible contradicts itself, when the Bible seems to lead us in a way that doesn't really make sense, I get excited because I'm like, the Bible isn't going to contradict itself, so God is going to allow us a way to understand this. What I love about Jesus, what I love about Jesus, is he's always being found in these situations where he's going to be misunderstood. See, this pool of Bethesda, historically, it's this place where all the poor people go, it's where all the disabled people go. It's where all the hurt people go because they believe if you went into the pool that you would be healed. And this man even kind of explains that. He goes, when Jesus tells him, you know, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I want to get to this pool so I can get healed. <clears throat> and he says, every time I try going, someone cuts in front of me and then they get healed and I'm not. And so it's not to say that this pool is magical or whatever. What it's saying is that the, the poorest of poorest go into this place because they think that they're going to find salvation. They're going to find rest. They're going to find completion from their brokenness at this place. And so it, what naturally happens because all the poor and the broken come into this place, it becomes dirty. It becomes dilapidated. It becomes a place where we look and we're like, oh, that's the, that's the bad part of town because all the bad people are there. And what I find very interesting is that Jesus himself goes into this context and he does ministry in this broken and dirty place. And what I find very interesting is that he even tells us, man, take up your mat and walk to the pool. And the man is healed, and it's so wonderful that he's healed. But he takes his mat, and at the pool, there is the Pharisees. And they're kind of managing all of the pool. They're, they're, they're the ones that are making sure people are doing the right things. And I'm sure because it's Sabbath, I, I, I'm, I'm sure they didn't have rope, but I'm sure they roped off the pool. They said, it's Sabbath, so no swimming on Sabbath. And so they have one of the Pharisees saying, you know, this is, you're not, it's not allowed because it's, it's Saturday and it's Sabbath, you got to rest. And he tells this person who has, been, who has been unable to walk that he's sinning. What I find so interesting is that the Pharisee didn't even recognize this man. It wasn't as, even though this Pharisee, even though this, this person is, is in the midst of all these poor and broken, he doesn't know this man personally. He doesn't know his story. He doesn't know where, where he's been. He just looks at him and he says, you're sinning, you're wrong, go back where you came from. So again, this man has not been known. He has not been, he has not been comforted. And so he has already been thinking about his sin time and time again. I'm sure this man who has, who has been sick and broken and, and disabled has been thinking to himself, the reason why I'm broken, the reason why I'm disabled is because God is angry with me. God is looking at me and looking at my sin and he's punishing me. And the reason why he believes that is because that's what the, the religious people have been telling him. 
The religious people have been telling him, it's because of your sin that you are disabled. It's because of your sin that you're poor. It's because of your sin that you are going to die. Jesus comes on the scene, and, and we didn't go over the story, but he is up turning the tables of religion. And Jesus heals this man. And it's very interesting. Jesus doesn't give him all the answers. And if you're a Christian or if you've been talking to God, God never gives us all the answers. He gives it to us in bits and pieces. And so I find it very interesting when they're back at the temple and this man is at the temple worshiping God, that Jesus taps him on the shoulder and tells him to sin no more. And Jesus does this. Whenever he talks to someone who is living a sinful lifestyle, he doesn't say, well, congratulations now that you, you have been healed. Now you can live the, your life however you want. Whenever he heals someone, he explains to them, now it is time to no longer sin and no longer go in that way. This one is a little bit, a little bit interesting because he says, so that nothing worse may happen to you. And again, this is where I've been wrestling with this whole series on the book of John, trying to understand the theology of it. And why would Jesus say this? I believe, I believe in something because this is all about Sabbath and Jesus is getting persecuted for healing people on the Sabbath. What I'm beginning to understand and believe is that what Jesus is saying, the reason why we do not sin is because we are in relationship with God. And when we commit sin, we are doing things to break that relationship with him. Jesus is no longer interested. He's no longer interested that we manage and we make sure that we're not doing all these bad things because it's going to lead to punishment. He's worried that we're doing all these bad things and we're not doing what we're supposed to do because it leads us away from the Father. Jesus is trying for us to understand what sin is in this situation. He's saying, you are healed, so no longer act like you're sick. You are healed, so now you have the ability to worship God. Now you have the ability to pray. Now you have the ability to communicate with God. Now you have the ability to be the person who's helping people at the pool of Bethesda. You can be that guy who is helping others because you know what it's like to not be helped. That now you can do the right thing and lead others to this place of healing. What I mean to say is that Jesus telling this man to sin no more is not about doing the right and wrong thing. The reason why I know this is because Jesus himself is being persecuted for doing the wrong thing. Jesus is being persecuted for healing on the Sabbath. Jesus explains and responds back that he's just doing his Father's work. As believers, I think we need to begin to move away from this idea and we've moved our Sabbath to be on Sunday. We need to move away from this idea that Sabbath is this day where I do no work. I want us to reframe it and rethink about it today. Sabbath is a day that we share our testimony. And I want you to remember this, that testimony and Sabbath go hand in hand. The reason why I say this, and many of you are kind of thinking to yourself, what do you mean testimony needs to be shared on Sabbath? Testimony is not, is not just it's not just your story of conversion. Testimony is proclaiming what God has done. And Sabbath is a day that we rest in the work that God has done, not in our work. 
I've seen too often in the church. I've seen too often in Sabbath that Sabbath is my vacation. Sabbath is a day where I rest from my work. It's a, it's a day where I recharge my batteries. It's a day where I look back on my week and see the work that I have done. That is not Sabbath. That's a holiday. Sabbath is a day where I look back at what God has done. I rest in what God has done. I rest in what God has spoken to me. I rest in what God is doing. I rest in the fact that God has already done. It's that it is done. It is completed. Sabbath is a day of trust. Trusting that Jesus is the one who is taking care of our lives. But he's the one who knows where we are going to go. He's the one who knows where we've been. If we look at the Old Testament, commonly what ends up happening of what leads them into the action of sin, but really what their sin is, is they simply forget. What I always find interesting when we read the Old Testament and we read about the Israelites is that God does these amazing things. He does these amazing works and he saves them from the clutches of slavery, from the clutches of sin. And, and, and for a little bit, they remember. And they're praising God, they're worshiping him. You saved us, you saved us, you are a good God. But they forget. They forget because they don't share anymore what God has done. The older generation isn't sharing with the younger generation. Do you know that God parted the Red Sea and we walked right through it? Do you not know that God saved us from this terrible situation? What ended up happening, instead of them sharing their testimony, they began to grumble as they wandered the desert for 40 years. Complain. God, yes, you saved us from the Egyptians, but where's mine now? What are you doing for me today? What are you doing for me right now and that leads them into a lot of sin and, we, and we've talked about it in the past but it leads them to even in the sin of idolatry where where as moses is on and, and on on the mountain communing with god as he's talking with god the, the people down below are making a golden calf and worshiping it because they forgot what god had done in their lives you see sabbath again isn't a day of rest that's probably a, a, the wrong way of thinking about it because, again, we've added so much of what, what that rest looked like. It's a day of resting in what God has done. It's a day in resting, remembering, sharing, participating, not in your work, but in his work. We gather as a church, not to fellowship with one another. And I know, this is, again, everyone's thinking, so why am, why am I here then? I'm here to fellowship with everyone. And, and yes, fellowship is great, but we fellowship in light of what God has done. We don't hang out just to hang out. I, that, that's not what it is. We're not going to eat lunch and celebrate LCC because of what LCC has done. We're celebrating this because of what God has done. We're celebrating to hear about the stories of old, of how God was faithful in the past. And that's what a testimony is. This is what God did in my life. This is what God has, has led me through. This is God being, being good to me. And it doesn't have to be on a stage. It doesn't have to be on a pulpit. It doesn't have to be in front of a lot of people. It could be to one person. Testimony and Sabbath need to go hand in hand. 
Testimony is not coming in front. Testimony is when we go downstairs and we break bread with one another and we're talking about our weeks. And it's not about what you've done. It's about what God is doing. If I could explain this even more in regards to this man. See, what Jesus want, wants this man to do is as he's been healed, now he has the opportunity when he's in the temple to proclaim what God has been doing in his life. That in the past he was broken. In the past he needed a savior and he found him. So what it means to no longer sin is to go out and share. Go out and talk about what God has done in your life. It's not about just resting. It's not about just, just sitting on your butt and, and doing nothing. It's about going out and sharing the work of God. I want us to understand Jesus did one thing on the Sabbath. It wasn't work. He was healing. Jesus wasn't doing work. He was doing healing. And, and for a lot of us, when we hear about these stories of healing in the Bible, we're like, yo, I could never do that. Like, and sometimes we're even uncomfortable when someone is sick to even lay hands on them and pray for them because we're like, God's, God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't do that. I want to tell you something that, yes, God does still heal. And we are called to pray for one another. But what I want to I bring in a little light to give you proof that God heals, especially on the Sabbath, is because I think you've forgotten something. Your testimony can bring healing. Your testimony can bring revival. Your testimony can lead someone out of a dark place into the light. And what I really want us to understand about the nature of what church is, especially Sunday service. Sunday service is a time where we need to be sharing what God is doing, not for your sake, but for others. Because I guarantee you, not everyone in here feels very close to God. Not everyone in here has even had an experience with God. Some people in here, again, there's, a, there's these times of darkness where you feel that God is so far away and he's, so, he's such a stranger. There are times where we feel like, God, where have you been? And again, I, I don't want you to feel guilty if you're in this place because the prophets even felt this place. They, even the prophets were in this place where they would have this amazing thing happen and this amazing miracles happen and they would go into this dark cave and they would be like, God doesn't exist. And it's these prophets that deal with this kind of ups and downs. King David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, when you read the Psalms, you realize that King David wasn't a good, a good believer all times. There were these moments where he was in the pits. What I want you to understand is about your testimony. Your testimony can help someone out of that. When you feel that God is so far away and I hear my neighbor talking about how Jesus, how God has been working in their life, how God has been so faithful and so good, I'll tell you, that is encouragement to me. It's like a balm that soothes my soul. Because even though God may feel far in my life, if I'm hearing that God is doing a good work in yours, it draws me closer to the Lord. Testimony can bring healing. I think Satan, I think the devil has tried to make you believe this lie that your testimony is not good enough, so don't share it. What God is doing in your life isn't that great, and so leave it to the pastor, and the pastor can talk about what God is doing. But you need to keep your mouth shut because what God has done in your life isn't that big of a deal. What I'm trying for you to understand the reason why we're gathered is to share what God has done. And for all you know, that could bring someone healing. 
that could bring someone out of the darkness into his light. See, when I say the word evangelism, some of you are like, no, I'm not an evangelist. There's no way I could evangelize about Jesus. But I guarantee you, a lot of you can talk about your week. Can talk about what God has been doing in your week. Can talk about his goodness, his faithfulness. That your testimony could bring a lot of healing. I'm beginning to understand that church is not just a building, but it's a group of people that come to worship God. And I'm becoming more and more convinced that if our church becomes a place where we are continuously sharing our testimonies to each other, not just in this way that, you know, oh, I was a sinner and now I'm saved and, and, and I'm, I'm all good, but really God has been working in this way in my life, that I've been praying about this issue in my life, that I've been pleading to God to help me with my job, with my marriage, with my children. And, and, and this is what God is doing. If our church, be, if this becomes normal in our church to do this on Sundays, especially when we eat downstairs, I guarantee you we're going to witness this kind of healing. We're going to witness people who were spiritually disabled. Spiritually broken, spiritually hurt, scarred, and bruised. Hearing your testimony. Hearing what God has done in your life. Might at least introduce them to our Savior. Might at least introduce them to who Jesus really is. I still hold on to the fact that I cannot heal. You cannot heal. I still hold on to the fact that only God himself can heal. I am not convinced that there is some dude who has healing powers that, that can touch you and all of a sudden you're healed of all your ailments. I, I don't believe in that. I don't think that exists. But I know our God can still heal. I know the Holy Spirit can still heal. And, and what I love about that is when I come to church, I, I'm not here trying to, uh, trying to improve your life. I'm not trying here to save you. I'm not trying here to do anything, any of these things. When I preach, I, I'm not doing any of that. I, I, I preach because I want to share with you about what God is doing in my life. When I'm calling on you, today especially, is to remember what God has done in yours. Sabbath. Sabbath is not a day of rest. Sabbath is a day of reflection. It's a day to recognize that God is the one who has completed the work. God is the one who's doing the work. And God is the one who is going to do the work. Sabbath is a day of rest because we're resting in the completion of God. We end our service each and every week. And for some of you, I'm sure that's still kind of weird that we do communion every single week. But the reason why we do communion in celebration, the reason why communion is a celebration, and it's also a time of reflection, it is exactly what Sabbath is all about. Because when we take communion, we are celebrating that Jesus' body and his blood were broken and shed for us so that we can live in a new life. And it's because of Jesus that I am healed of all of my sin. But it's also a time of reflection to think about what God is doing in my life, to think about what God is saying to me in my life. When I think about church, I'm beginning to think communion is the image that I want you to have when you think about church, that it has nothing to do with the people you're doing communion with, but it has everything to do with the fact that Jesus is the one that died for us, that was raised for us. And it's in his body and his blood that we can stand in new life and with full confidence know 
with full confidence know that we are welcomed into his family. You see, this man was called to sin no more. And I think his sin would be to forget. I think his sin would be to forget who healed him. I think this man's sin, that Jesus is telling him, sin no more, is do not forget who saved you this day. So constantly be reminding yourself and constantly be reminding others of who was the one who saved you. And this man's response should be the same response as ours. Jesus saved me. Jesus. Jesus gave me new life. And again, this man needs to be telling himself that testimony, but he also needs to be sharing it with others. There are some of you who are, have been dealing with unanswered prayer. You've been, you've been praying about something for so long, time and time again. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to pray with others. Pray with your community. Don't let Satan take that away. Is that the reason why we are gathered here is because we want to encourage one another to worship our Lord and Savior even more. Sabbath is a day to share your testimony. I, 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 I can't wait till we can go and, and have lunch um, and, and we can go and celebrate. But I hope and pray that it is not a day about what our church has done, about what the pastors have done, about what the congregants have done. I pray that today, on this Sabbath day, that we recognize what God has done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the healing on the Sabbath. And I pray that there will be healing in this room today. Father, I pray that as there is a sharing of testimony, as there is a sharing of what you have done, as we rest in the completed work of Christ, that, Father, there would be healing in this place. And, Father, people would come that men and women would come before the throne laying down our work, laying down our burdens, laying down our accomplishments in exchange for yours. That it's not by our righteousness that we are free, but it's by your righteousness. So Father, I pray that today, as we celebrate our 20th anniversary, that we would recognize that you've done so much and you've been so good You've been so faithful. Help us not to forget, but help us to remember and to rest in what you've done. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.